0: Carlyle, Infrared Capital Partners, EQT and Baring's Private Equity Asia. Four firms that have all wholeheartedly embraced and pushed forward the idea of ESG-linked credit facilities. Just to recap, the last couple of years have seen numerous examples of credit facilities arranged, both at the fund and at the asset level, with a margin ratchet linked to sustainability goals. Put simply, if you meet sustainability targets, the cost of your facility is lower. Carlisle has secured about $12 billion of ESG-linked financing at both the asset and fund level. EQT, back in summer 2020, secured a fund-level bridge facility with an upper limit of €5 billion. Euros. Bearings Private Equity Asia recently secured a $3.2 billion ESG-linked facility, the largest yet in Asia. And Infrared, as we're about to hear, has been getting very creative with its banking products. I'm Toby Michnell, Senior Editor for ESG and Sustainability at PEI and Editor of New Private Markets. In December, I jumped on a video call with experts from each of these firms to discuss a year in ESG-linked credit facilities and asked for predictions for how this corner of finance will develop. Here's some snippets of what was said.
1: My name's uh, Jonathan Beeson. I'm an Associate Director at, at Infrared Capital Partners. A private equity firm have set up a lot of you know ESG-linked debt and loans, but actually they're, they're moving it into other ancillary parts of their business, such as foreign exchange hedging or moving into say, inflation swaps. I mean, Infrared has done both of these, for example, and, and it's trying to incorporate ESG into more than just you know a sort of nice title of, you know oh, look, we've done this loan. It's actually saying, well, look, we're trying to ingrain it into everything we do. So it all really stems, again, from if, if we take the Renewables Infrastructure Group, which is a listed renewables infrastructure fund, uh, c 250. So that's one that, that Infrared manages. And we started with the RCF, and, and we basically have three KPIs a sort of one for environmental, one for social, one for governance. Uh, and we have targets that, that we set over time. If we hit these, that gives us a mechanism to, to either incur a premium or a reduction on the margin and commitment fee. And, and we've taken that, that same basic sort of mechanism or framework, if if you were, and applied it to foreign exchange hedging and also to inflation swaps. So if we hit these targets, which, which we feel are, are ambitious, we'll get a benefit sort of across the fund in, in our various products with the banks. So I guess it's really taking one mechanism and and applying it across several areas of sort of risk management.
2: My name is Meg Starr, and I'm the Global Head of Impact at Carlisle. I see three main trends coming into next year. Um, At Carlisle, we've done about $12 billion of ESG-linked financings, and that definitely is indicative of the growth we see in the market. But I think First trend we see is that these ratchets are going to get more sophisticated and more nuanced with every single transaction that's done. And I think that's a great thing for the field. And I think it means that all of us have to continue raising the bar for what progress looks like. Second, I think we're going to see a lot more creative use cases. We saw that, for example, doing the green use of proceeds for a revolver fund. So how do you incentivize management for when they're using their revolver to direct that towards green CapEx, for example, by making that slightly cheaper? We've seen creative structures where the proceeds are being split with an environmental NGO, such as our ESG-linked financing for a Flender. And then we've seen this whole converging field of ESG-linked financings for fund lines of credit. And then the the third thing we see going into this next year is more creative and more ambitious metrics. So for example, we did a 2.3 billion euro ESG linked line of credit for our European private equity investing this past year. We had one KPI around getting bottoms up carbon footprint across our companies, one KPI around our goal of having 30% diverse directors. But we had one KPI that our team worked really hard on and and was quite focused on, which was putting 100% of Carlisle directors who serve on portfolio company boards through a really rigorous external training on best practices for ESG management. Because private equity investors, boards are one of our biggest levers for driving change. And we need to really ripple out understanding of best in class management of issues like climate risk and opportunity, how to create effective diversity strategies, et cetera. And so being able to train those board members so that they can impact the progress of those companies, we were really excited by. So I think for 2022, we see more sophisticated and more ambitious metrics, creative use cases, and then creative metrics as we really work to push thinking and push practice in this area.
3: So I'm James Hugh. I'm the um, head of capital markets and partner at EQT Partners. Well, I completely agree with with Meg on more ambitious targets. I think that's um, that's definitely we're seeing that happening already. And um, I think some of the other things that we're seeing is uh, we're getting feedback from lenders about you know inconsistency of disclosure. You know, both at the fund level as well at the portfolio company level. Some are good, some less good, and, and frankly a lot of it is not good enough, right? And so I think we're getting a lot of comments from lenders just generally in the leverage finance space. They'd like to see issuers being more consistent and robust in their disclosure. And then I think the other thing is this whole idea of third-party ratings, you know, whether it's a rating agency or another third party, I think they're trying to insert themselves into this, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but it's just one of these things where you know, we're seeing rating agencies proactively giving ESG ratings without even any consent from, from the issuer. And the question is, is that always the right way to do it? And you know, what is the best way to get a third-party rating if this is in fact what lenders want? And we're hearing more and more from lenders that this might be something that they want because you know we we may have what we think are robust KPIs and robust disclosure, but you know, it's sometimes hard for lenders to know, is this company the best it can be in this space or, or not? It's hard to know. And so who's going to help them analyze that and determine that? So I think that that's something that we may see uh, more of as well. I'm Tang.
4: I lead the overall sustainability and ESD strategy for bearing Private Equity Asia. I definitely agree with sort of what, what the other panelists have mentioned, you know, when they, they said the facilities and the metrics are going to become more sophisticated, more nuanced, more creative. And that's, that's great. Uh, one of the things that I could see happening is maybe some more qualitative elements right, that may be added to these facilities because they can be quite helpful as well. So for example, instead of only looking at female board members or female senior managers as a single metric, it may be even more meaningful to see what the companies are actually doing qualitatively to get there, right? So so, so things like unbiased recruitment and promotion, workplace sexual harassment policy, maternity and paternity leave, so that women who decide to start a family career can be supported to come back and continue to succeed, right? These kind of things are not just quantitative metrics. And this is our approach too, right? We don't just want to go to our companies and say, hey, hire more women so we can meet the targets, right? That's not really the point of this. We do want them to build a work environment where all talent can succeed, uh, including women. And as we get more sophisticated, as the industry get more, um, you know, gets more sophisticated on this topic, maybe there's qualitative ways to looking at certain uh, ESG topics. And I think that would be good as well. And one of the other things I wanted to mention uh, for next year is that, you know, I also think we'll see more of these loans for funds in Asia. Uh, We have seen sort of banks and funds really rolling up their sleeves in in the region on ESG. Uh, I think partially as a result of a lot of sort of the governments in the region pushing on their uh, climate goals, for example. And we hope our approach can be a helpful precedent and guidance for driving positive ESG
0: development uh, in Asia. So there we have it. More ambitious, more sophisticated targets, more scrutiny of the data by both lenders and possibly third-party agents, more of a qualitative overlay, and the application of ESG KPIs to banking products beyond just credit facilities. That all to come in 2022. Don't forget, You can listen to all podcasts from new private markets and affiliate titles at PEI on all your regular podcast platforms, as well as on the PEI sites. I'm Toby Mitchell, signing off.